Some businesses succeed, some don't. Then there are those that seem to have been around forever. The true entrepreneurial success story. How did they do it? What was their vision? What makes a success? In this special episode for Ion Annapolis, we speak with the true success stories. Those business owners that have been around for decades, learn from their successes and failures. Now, here's host John Fernay. One of the most famous names, I guess, or the most, I don't know, but the notorious names in Annapolis is Hardesty. And we're here today with Jim Cavoni, who is one of the owners of Hardesty Funeral Home in Annapolis. You also guys have places in Gambrels and Galesville as well, right? That's correct, since 1911. And I, I will say, just sort of to preface this, that Gavoni and Hardesty, I can see where you might get the names confused because they're just so similar. But Jim has been with Hardesty Funeral Homes for 20... 19. 19 years? 19. Mr. Hardesty, who is the second or third generation generation, third generation of the funeral home, uh, recently passed away. And Jim has, I wouldn't say taken over the reins because he's had his hands on the reins for many years anyhow. Uh, We just wanted to come and learn about this sort of a stalwart business that's been in the area forever. That's kind of you. Well, it it is. Nobody wants to come see you. That's correct. Uh, Everybody will have to come see you or a, uh, you know, a cohort of your provider at at some point. At some point. And it's something most people don't want to talk about, but you really provide a, a service to the community that, you know, most people don't want to talk about and don't want to think about. I mean, the correct the end, end, of, end of life, I mean, we haven't figured out, we haven't, out. we haven't quite figured out a pill to suck the fat off of your body. Nope. So we don't have a... Or anything else. Where did Hardesty Funeral Home start? How long have you guys been around? Since 1911, started as a blacksmith shop in uh, the Waterman community of Galesville, Maryland. Okay, that makes sense. South Anne Arundel County. (laughs) Yep. And um, there was a gypsy family crossing the bay, which was by steamship at that time at the end of the pier. And the ship's name was the Emma Gile. And it went back and forth from Galesville across the roads and a west river across the bay and into uh, Kent Narrows and disembarked and then came back a number of times a day. And in their transition, the uh, child uh, died and uh, they came to the blacksmith shop, which was open on uh, Galesville Road, which was called Main Street at that time. And uh, Mr. Hardesty's grandfather uh, asked them uh, to measure the child with a string. And they did. And he created a small then coffin for this child um, and was uh, buried locally. And the family moved on. And that started to uh, build. There were no funeral homes in that era. So everything was done either in people's homes with the advent of embalming, which was a, a city practice. It got more and more popular, and the blacksmith shop migrated into the family home on Main Street as the funeral parlor. And then in 1951, Mr. Hardesty's grandfather and father built the existing building that we have at 905 Galesville Road. And that's really kind of, as you go down to Galesville, which is a a wonderful community to visit for anybody that hasn't been down there. They've got some great restaurants down at the end and just a beautiful scenery and perhaps the most kick-ass Fourth of July parade anywhere. Yes, there is. Um, Yep. But you guys are pretty much on the right side going down Galesville Road. Pretty much the first real building that you see as you start to get into. Correct. Right after the uh, Anne Arundel County soccer field, and there's a street that divides us and that. Uh, Anchors Way, and then there's our building. Right now, 
an interesting story I had heard, maybe you can confirm or deny this, but that was one of the very first integrated It was. Homes. That's correct. The uh, community itself on the left side of the street facing east was African-American, and on the right side was Caucasian mixed. And because it was a waterman's community, with uh, most of it being uh, oyster harvesting and some crabs, and then the agriculture that surrounded it was all tobacco. So there was a constant turn of the seasons going from water harvesting of oysters and crabs to fall and winter harvesting of tobacco and drying fields. So because the community was indeed mixed, there was a need to have separate but equal in that day's terms locations for the funeral home because though it was integrated completely in its structure, it was still black or African-American on one side and Caucasian and or white on the other. But it was still a mixed facility with adjoining rooms and hallways. So you actually had separate entrances? We did. If you face the building today, you can still see them. The African-American side was the left front door and the Caucasian side was the right front door. That's a fantastic piece of history and one that I'm kind of glad to see has changed, of course, over yeah, the years. Me too. Uh -huh. But there was a horrible experience that I had when I came here in 2000, a person I had known from Annapolis who had wanted me to come to work for this firm for some time, decided to use the N-word when he greeted me at the front door when he rang the bell and said, you know they bury expletives, right? And I said, I'll see you. And I never spoke to that person again. Well played. I grew up without understanding color bias or racism. Wasn't permitted in my family. I hearken from New England. And my parents' families were both immigrants, and they simply didn't tolerate it. So I grew up colorblind, and that's the way I remain today. That's fantastic. Thank you. How did, um, how did we get to Annapolis and Gambrels? Well, it's really interesting because there was only one funeral home in Annapolis. And Annapolis, you know, as most people know, dates back almost to the uh, late 1600s. And so the Taylor Funeral Home on Duke of Gloucester, I believe, started in about 1860. So before that, of course, everybody was still having funerals in homes. And they started their funeral home by the Taylor family. Can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. When you say people were having funerals at home, what does that entail? Is that is that just sort sure. of a, a, for lack of a better word and to be politically incorrect, like a do-it-yourself? No. They had uh, undertakers, as we were known early on, uh, were trained in different academies to do our clinical work or embalming, as it were. And we would go to the house with a cooling board, which was a table that we would embalm people in the bathroom. And it allowed for chemical preparation of the remains and the drainage of blood into the commode. So the person would be embalmed at home. Then they would be dressed and laid out in bed and have people come and stand watch or wake over the deceased for two to three days. Then they would be placed in their coffin, not casket at the time, and taken to church and then go from church to burial. Wow. Okay. And people got really tired of that when families grew large and you had multi-generational family housing. Sometimes you would see two and three-story homes that were three separate families. And that happened in my family with my grandparents. They were waked at home, and it was traumatic for my mother uh, when that happened in the 1930s. So the funeral homes grew in, in uh, popularity, 
And as more uh, churches got involved with uh, ethnic densities and uh, Christianity, people started to have uh, church funerals so that they would have the wake or viewing at the funeral home for one day and the church funeral the next. Okay, interesting. And going back to your question originally about the establishment of (laughs) 12 Ridgely Avenue, which is our location in Annapolis, Mr. Hardesty's uh, dad, uh, with the help of his father, uh, came to Annapolis in uh, 1963 and built Hardesty Funeral Home in Annapolis and West Annapolis in 1964. Properties were in joining lots uh, bought by Mr. Hardesty's dad uh, and uh, him and his brother, Bo, which uh, didn't enter funeral service, uh, worked and built 12 Ridgely Avenue. And then uh, Bo Hardesty went on to become a restaurateur, and uh, he had other ventures in Annapolis as well. And uh, Tommy uh, married uh, then Jacqueline Wolford, whose parents were Annapolitans, and they opened the funeral home in 1964 with great fanfare. Took took a great deal of time for it to get going, but they became close to another uh, funeral director who worked in Annapolis at the time, and their name was Hopping. And they had a funeral home on West Street, which is where the four sisters are, right across from what is now um, the lower end of West Street. They are identical Victorian brick homes. There's four of them built by the same person. And the end one, which is a uh, yellowish tone brick, is uh, the original Hopping funeral home. Uh, was converted from a, a mansion, and uh, Mr. Hopping had a summer home in Gambrels, right next to the Naval Academy dairy farm. So he then started having wakes in that house, and then that was purchased by Tommy and Jackie in 1977, and it was added onto and converted to the funeral home that it is today on 175 in Gambrels. Um, and that sort of brings us to you. This is one thing that I particularly like about you. They're members of the community. That's They're- correct. What the uh, key word for us is, it's autonomy. Because we turn no one away. So we will work with any family, of any means, of any race, of any creed, of any kind. We simply are people helping people. And it doesn't matter to us. I am the final yes or no in everything. And everybody gets served here. Some people choose not to, but that's by their own decision, not ours. There are certain things that dynamics have changed a great deal in the last 10 years. People's expectations are changing all the time. We're seeing many, many more celebrations of life. And sometimes people are only interested in finding a firm that is willing to act as a disposer for their loved ones. That's not who we are. We are a face of the community, we're independent, and we live and breathe this stuff in our communities. It's very important to us. I mean, you're just as apt to find you across the street at Bella Pizza than... That's right. At, uh, or Naval Bagels or yeah, something correct. like that. Than- and for the whole community, because one of the policies here that I inherited from the Hardesty's was we only buy or vendor independently owned businesses. So the only thing I buy that is uh, directly commercial is gasoline. Everything else is bought from private, family-owned businesses just like ours. And you can really do that if you want to. Most people don't realize that Admiral Cleaners has been owned by the same family since it opened. It's the largest in the area. The Grawls stores are all family-owned, now in their third generation, with seven locations from Baltimore to the shore. It's not that hard. My eye doctor is local. My physician is local. 
and I only shop in independent companies. I just don't buy commercial because I just don't have to. If I want stuff for the lawn, I go to Bowen's in Riva. It's a family that's been there for three generations. You and I, you and I are very similar in that. I don't have right. don't have a whole lot of uh, room in my uh, wallet for the mall. Correct. I don't need to go. I don't need to go to Safeway. I can go to Grawls. It's right across the street. If I can't uh, get it from my home on the weekend that I'm off, I just wait. It's just that easy. It's not always possible if you're running out to get something or going to a kid's party or something. But for the most part, you can fine-tune your life to be as important as your values to the community that you live in. Well, and it may, in the end, cost a little bit more. Certainly not a whole lot more, but it's you're giving it right back. That's correct. You're giving it right back. And these are the people that you see and you get to learn and love them and get to know them. They're the people that are going to come back tenfold in your life and you can do things for them that nobody else can because you have the power to make that decision. As far as the services that you guys offer, I mean, are, obviously you do burials, you do the, the viewings and the celebrations of life. You handle cremation. I know that as well. Do you do, would, an, uh, say, a state type funeral where a uh, say if there was a sure a high political i mean your capabilities are endless as far as we were called for the funeral of lewis goldstein oh the former controller of maryland correct right and so um it was a, a a very large event and uh it was it was very important uh to his family to come here because we have a close tie to the jewish community in annapolis and we have since the 1950s Uh, There's a large uh, Jewish population in Annapolis itself, uh, second to uh, Baltimore and now Montgomery County. But our relationship with uh, four synagogues here is something that we uh, cherish and are very, very grateful for that. Obviously, I know that you work with all churches and all, but just selecting a a funeral home based on a relationship, and that makes it make sense. Well, it's key, particularly with uh, ethnic uh, variation. There's uh, certain um, requirements that faith-based services have that if you're unwilling to learn that, then you will never be able to serve that community in the needs that they definitely have. You'll you'll feel like a fish out of water. And funerals are a one-time experience. There's no going back and doing it over. So you simply have to learn this stuff. And if somebody is willing to teach you, you should look at that as a great service to yourself and their community. And they will... Uh, reward you tenfold simply by teaching you more of those services, which you can provide over and over and over and over again. Talked about how the funerals used to be in the homes and the embalming and everything Mm -hmm. else. And obviously we've evolved out of that. What is, has technology evolved in this business or is this still a fairly old school? Well, it's actually, let's not not get into too (laughs) (laughs) It's actually uh, evolved enormously. And I had a a young staffer who, who just moved on. He decided that funeral service was not the career for him after five and a half years, but he used to refer to some of our staff here as the dinosaurs having trouble with the videos. Were you? Were you? Are you, were you a dinosaur? No, I'm a cutting edge kind of guy because I love <laughs> the stuff. So I love uh, new things. I love to learn things. I love technology. Uh, I think it's uh, very important. For example, we put in a, a sound system that was fully capable of adaptation to Bluetooth and uh, to iPhones and Android. It's because when people People have funerals now. They want to hear the music that was 
near and dear to them. So they can bring it in, they can lay their phone on top of the device, and it can be controlled by them. I was the first person that instituted in uh, 2006 broadcast funerals that were broadcast over the web. It was called Event by Wire. And so we had a tire system that was hooked up that would allow us to stream over Wi-Fi the entire service that was going on live and record it and have it stored on our website. Wow. Okay. So this, so if, if a loved one had passed away and the, they're having the viewing of the celebration of life. That's correct. That is, you could watch it from California. Yep. Is that, now, is that available in all your locations or is that just... It's now because people have uh, adapted to the use of their own personal equipment that we simply now just have to supply the high-speed Wi-Fi and they stream it themselves because it's a lot easier for them to control who sees it and to log on. It's much simpler when they're using a Skype-type device to watch the whole process. So you're you're, you're having, you're we having were, families come in that will maybe have a tripod and an oh, iPhone yeah. that they mm-hmm. set up? Correct. Yep. My system was equi- eclipsed wow. by technology as it grew. That can, they can fit in the palm of your hands. Correct. So as far as technology goes, I mean, in other aspects, okay, obviously that's got an audio-visual. I mean, has technology helped without getting too... Sure. Detailed as far as... The the next biggest thing, which is enormously uh, popular, is uh, video of the person's life, which we can create with over 145 themes. So it plays during the visiting hours or during the funeral itself, and we can take, say, 75 to 125 pictures of that person's life, and we can integrate the music that they love with that and their theme One of the ones that I just had that was successful, because I do them now, was the family hadn't mentioned that their mother was a quilter, but in noticing that she had a number of pictures of her standing with prize-winning quilts, I was able to put two and two together, and I called one of the daughters, and I said, I have a theme for this, which is quilting. Is it all right if I use that? And she said, oh, that would be great. And then it has drop-ins that you put in between the series of pictures of the quilting process, the display displays and patches of fabric that make what a person's life is all about, which is what quilting is. So that was so profoundly important to them. And our system where this uploads onto our website tells me how many people have watched it. And within two weeks, that lady had 167 views of that video. And that, and then you provide that to the family in a, a file or, you know, I guess if they wanted a well, DVD they, burnt, they, they could. They get the DVD and they can purchase as many as they want. And, and if it's after the fact, people in any part of the world can buy it off the web through the um, web service. So it's, it's, a, it's a double win because it's so important for people to watch it. I'm assuming your business is a 24-7. Always. Uh, you're not, I would say your business hours are probably more 9 to 5, but that does not dictate the hours that you work. We're here seven days a week mm-hmm. and 365 days a year with about seven exceptions for scheduling. We're still around, but we don't work the full day. Right. Um, but it it's always an on-call status, and one of us, always a licensee, is on call. So we respond to the family's call in right away. Sometimes we take the uh, contacts directly to our cell phone and answer our cell phone, Hardesty Funeral Home, or we have an answering service that's that's very, very good. That will pick that up. And different complications surrounding a death. That I mean, those are all things that you could handle. Say somebody were to die abroad or say, sure. um, you know, that... We face uh, these all they're, the time. They're being, they're being buried 
buried in a family plot in Minot, North Dakota. Which... Or on a farm, a family farm. Uh-huh. There's all kinds of things now. What we find more uh, today is uh, families utilizing disposition because they can't all get here. So, for example, if somebody's going to need to wait three weeks to assemble for the person's uh, funeral services or for the celebration of life, they often opt for cremation instead of having a, a viewing and a funeral and then. But you can also have a viewing and a funeral and then cremate. And then other times we can wait as long as, you know, two to three weeks. We also have a, a difficult offset here with burial because of our proximity to the Arlington National Cemetery that sometimes it can take up to uh, 10 months to get interred. So we have to hold the person all that time. Okay, and that's you, you would store the remains until, yep. until the service can be scheduled at Arlington. Yes. What's, what is, is, are there any future plans? I mean, obviously the technology and the business is going to continue to evolve as we move to the forward, but I mean, is, is, does Hardesty Funeral Home have any future plans for expansions or anything that's new and exciting that's maybe on the horizon at this point? No, because what what is happening with the locales, uh, Annapolis, for example, is, is no longer a hometown feel. There's a lot of people that still live here, but uh, our primary uh, population that we served has moved away. For example, most of the people that lived in Annapolis worked in one of three places, the Naval Academy, St. John's College, or they worked for the state. And that's almost all done by trade services and contractors now. And it changes all the time. So our population base has moved to the eastern shore. And most of West Annapolis is no longer homes. It's all independent businesses, professional offices, doctors, lawyers, things like that. Interesting. So, but Annapolis was your, I would say your main location. It it, it is our main location from an infrastructure uh, process. However, our busiest location is our West County Gambrels location. That somewhat makes sense because it's a grow, certainly a growing area there as well. Well, it's also long established and it's old established. The uh, population there uh, is probably 55 and up and the population in Annapolis is probably 35 to 45. Interesting. That makes a big difference. Have you found that people's desires on, you know, burials or funerals have changed? I mean, has that has it shifted more toward cremation dramatically? Than um, when I entered funeral service in 1984, the uh, average uh, cremation rate was about nine percent. In Annapolis today, it's sixty-one percent. Oh wow! Most people are stunned by that, but the majority of our business at our main location in Annapolis, is 60% cremation. Now, cremation, again, is the form of disposition. It doesn't mean that it's only a cremation or it's a direct cremation. Cremation means that instead of being buried casket in a cemetery, the person is cremated. Sometimes uh, cremated remains are taken home. Sometimes they're put in a columbarium, a niche in a cemetery, and sometimes they're scattered. Right. I, know, I know my father was, was cremated, and we ended up burying the, the urn in a, mm-hmm. in a cemetery in yep. his community that he, that he lived in there. My mother uh, wanted to be scattered around, and I successfully avoided the police that <laughs> wanted to let me know that that was not— That's right. <laughs> it was not— They're actually bound by law to tell you that. <laughs> not, not, not allowed. But, That's uh, right. But if you don't catch me, I'm okay with it. Yeah, something um, like that. Well, it's good to talk to some of these older businesses in town, and it's what part of the series is doing is when you think of a of a funeral home in town, and certainly when you think of a name uh, in town that's very well involved, you think Hardesty uh, in any number of things, whether it be the funeral home. I mean, we've got Jerry 
Corey Hardesty, which owns Middleton Tavern, and yeah. Bo Hardesty, which is the restaurateur out west. And uh, every now and then you feel um, you, you run across somebody and it's, there's, there's a Hardesty. Uh, no, somewhere. And they're all interrelated, I'm sure. It's There's point. a lot of relations. Again, it's a business that's been around uh, in Anne Arundel County, Galesville, from turn, I would say the turn of the century, but I would have to say the turn of the last century. That's right. And subsequently grew to a, a you know, a large family-owned business that, as I said, nobody wants to, nobody wants to come here, but everybody needs to. And, you know, the experiences that I've had here, I am friends with, was friends with Tommy and, and his wife, Jackie, and, and I've right. been to a couple of funerals here and our services here and it's the the compassion i can i can vouch for the compassion from uh hardesty funeral home um, and uh i appreciate your time today mr jim gavoni who is the owner of one of the one of the owners or the one, owner no one of the owners of hardesty funeral home 12 ridgely avenue and that's uh right across from the growl shopping center on right. ridgely avenue next to the abandoned bank yes yeah, the long abandoned <laughs> but <laughs> thank you very much Thank you, John. It was great talking with you. Thanks for listening to this special podcast for Ion Annapolis. Please be sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinions. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you your local news direct to your phone or tablet every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. <laughs>